0: We shall take a study, and perhaps in more than one part, a study of what the Bible says about the use of our mouth, and especially in relation to deceit, lies, slander, gossip, malice. These are words that come up whenever we use our mouth, and there is a right way to use our mouth and a wrong way to use our mouth, especially. We as believers should have in the foremost uh, parts of our thinking and speech the desire for truth. We should have the desire for truth because, as Isaiah says in Isaiah 65 16, that we are worshiping the God of truth. He is the God of truth. John 14 6 Jesus himself called himself the truth. I am the way the truth and the life. The Holy Spirit is also known as the truth or the Spirit of Truth. In John fourteen seventeen, John fifteen twenty-six, and first John five, seven. He is called the truth or spirit of truth. The gospel that we believe, which is found in the Holy Bible, is called the Word of Truth in Colossians one, verse five. This is important because previous to our desire for the truth we desired lies. We desired lies because we believed or we followed the father of lies whether we acknowledge it or not our previous life our pre-conversion life was a life following the will of our father the devil. John 8:44 You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Lies come from the father of lies. We also notice from this and from the narrative of Genesis 3, 1 to 7, when the first sin was committed by Adam and Eve, that the scripture calls the serpent crafty, crafty, another word for scheming, deceitful, crafty. And in his craftiness, he said, indeed, has God said craftiness or deceit is putting some doubt into the actual reality. But finally, he tells Eve, you surely shall not die. He says the very opposite, which is a lie. A lie is that which is more blatant and obvious. And this is what Satan did. According to Christ, from the beginning, he has been this way. And so Satan and his followers, all the children of the world, are not children of God spiritually. They are children of God by creation, but not by redemption. By their spiritual nature, they belong to Satan. So everyone who belongs to Satan uses lies. Uses lies. We may say it this way. Satan and his followers use the tool or instrument of lies to produce death. To produce murder. So, the way of a murderer to murder souls eternally is to use lies. Lies are the methods or the instruments of Satan and his followers to produce death. Of course, many times those who belong to Satan will never admit that they belong to Satan or are using lies or intend anybody's death. Whether they acknowledge it or not, whether they admit it or not, That's what's happening according to God's word. So lies in order to produce death, death by murder, murdering of souls. When we undertake this study, we also must understand as we defined, a lie is that which is more open, obvious, blatant. You surely shall not die, Genesis 3. Satan, the devil tells Eve and Adam, that they will not die. Deceit is more cunning. It's harder to distinguish. It's harder to figure out. That's what deceit or deception entails. And that is when Satan first said, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? When he says, Indeed, this is the way of a smoke screen. This is the way of a very slippery salesman. They will say indeed, or they will say something that sounds like they are in agreement with you, but then slip in something. They will slip in something. And what did Satan deceitfully slip in? Has God said? He knew God said, but now he's saying, has God said? Are you sure he said that? And what exactly did he say? Are you sure you know what he said? As though he is after the truth when he's not after the truth. He's after creating doubt in Adam and Eve. So that's deception. What is malice? Malice is undertaking whatever conduct, whether it is in words or works. It is doing it with evil intention. You seek to undermine somebody. You seek to destroy somebody. This is what the officials of Daniel... In the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 6, were the officials of Darius and Daniel being one of them, his co-officials in the, the government, the magistrates along with him, they were malicious against Daniel the prophet. That's evil intention. That is, they wanted to find a way to accuse Daniel, so they proposed to the king, King Darius, a decree that... No God should be worshipped except him for 30 days. And the the king agrees to it. But he doesn't know what's going on in relation to Daniel, whom he favors. Because Daniel was very faithful, a man of integrity, as a governmental official, and the king trusted him for that and liked him for that. He didn't want anything wrong to go to him, uh, to happen to him. But The officials did. So they set up a law, find Daniel praying to his God, and then accuse him, and according to the law, seek to put him to death. That is to be devoured by lions. We know that he was delivered. And the officials instead were devoured by the lions. That is malice. Doing something like that, setting up, framing somebody, in order to destroy, that's malice. What is slander? Slander in common language, libel in the courtroom, these are synonyms, but libel is usually used in the courtroom. Slander or libel has to do with saying something that is false, untrue, has no basis in reality against one's enemy. Whether announced enemy or unannounced enemy, you don't like somebody, so you make something up and then you demonize that person with the slander, with the lies, with the deceit. You do it in order to destroy the character of the person and the character of the person in the view of other people. Of course, we know that this is happening many, many times. It happens in day-to-day life. It happens in politics all the time. Opponents of another will bring up things that have no basis in truth, no basis in reality to slander or to demonize the opponent. Gossip. What is gossip? Gossip is sharing sensational, juicy, salacious information about another person with absolutely no desire for the person's well-being, no desire for the person's soul, no desire to pray for the other person, no desire to confront the other person if indeed it is true. A gossip or gossiping usually has to do with true things, but the person who is gossiping has no desire to do anything to help the other person. With the problem. That's what gossip usually is. Sharing something that's very juicy, exciting about another person, but have no intention to help the other person. That is, to show him the scriptures or anything like that. No desire and even no ability. The tabloids that we find in the stores, tabloid magazines and newspapers that is full, those things are full of gossip. That is, they tell you about celebrities, what's going on in their personal life, and the people who read them, they just love to be stimulated, they love to be excited by what kinds of sensational things are happening to other people. That's a tabloid, and that's not right. That's not biblical. We should never be indulging like that. But it's also in the Bible. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 5 regarding young widows that they are gossips and busybodies talking about things not proper to mention. 1 Timothy chapter 5, 5, 13, 14, that they are gossips and busybodies talking about things not proper to mention. If they talk about the neighbor, if they talk about somebody in the church, they've got no desire to do anything about it. They are simply mentioning things that they will not act upon in order to make themselves look good, to make friends, to make more friends. Some, something or the other is happening that is base, depraved, corrupt when people gossip. Having defined those words, and these are common definitions of words, of these words we're using, let's now go to the book of Proverbs for our study. Proverbs, we'll just go through this one book and see the many verses that speak against any wrong use of the mouth, okay? There are many ways to deceive people, but we are giving particular attention to the mouth. 2 verse 12, Proverbs chapter 2 verse 12. To deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things. The man who speaks perverse things. Perverse means not straight, not upright, not full of integrity or truth. It's distorted, it's perverse. 2.16, to deliver you from the strange woman, from the adulteress who flatters with her words. The strange woman, that is not your own wife, is the adulteress who flatters. To flatter is another way to speak wrongly, To flatter means to speak in excessive ways about another. In this case, the adulteress would say, I never met such a handsome man. You're so handsome. Things like that. That would be flattery. Chapter 3, verse 3. 3, 3. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart what is the source of kindness and truth that should be bound around our neck and written on our heart? Verse one says, my teaching, my commandments, the words of God, which are the opposite of lies because the words of God are truth. Chapter four, chapter four, verse 24, 424. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious. Lips far from you. Deceitful mouth, devious lips. To have devious lips means to deviate from the straight path, from the highway of holiness. Isaiah 35, 8. To deviate is also to go away or astray from the straight path of truth. Chapter five, five, verse three. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey and smoother than oil is her speech. The adulteress will say things that are very sweet sounding, very oily, slippery. This is what we mean even in the English language when we say that somebody is slippery we're talking about him being oily or sugary in the sense of honey or oil. And when they do that, we know they are lying to us. They are deceiving us. They don't mean what they say. They are just after something that we have. Chapter 6, verse 2. 6 two. If you have been snared with the words of your mouth, have been caught with the words of your mouth... And verse 3, Do this then, my son, and deliver yourself, since you have come into the hand of your neighbor. Go, humble yourself and importune your neighbor. This context of chapter 6, verses 1 to 5, is the man who becomes surety, who becomes a guarantor, who becomes a pledge for somebody else, and he's doing it rashly when... He's putting himself in jeopardy of losing a lot of money. We cannot open our mouths rashly like that, lose a lot of money. And here, the one who's doing it, he says he's been snared with the words of his mouth, caught with the words of his mouth. Whatever we promise, whatever we say, yes should mean yes, no, no. But before you say yes, you better know what you're talking about. And before you say no, you better know what you're talking about, because otherwise you'll get yourself into deep trouble. Chapter 6, verse 12, 12 to 19, 6, A worthless person, a wicked man, is one who walks with a false mouth, who winks with his eyes, who signals with his feet, who points with his fingers, who with perversity in his heart devises evil continually, who spreads strife. Therefore, his calamity will come suddenly. Instantly, he will be broken and there will be no healing. There are six things which the Lord hates, yes, seven, which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among brothers." 6.12 says who this person is. He's worthless and wicked. More often than not, in the Old Testament, when it says worthless man, it is literally son of Belial. He is a son of Belial. According to 2 Corinthians 6.14, Belial is one name, another name, a rare name, though it is a name for Satan. So, a worthless person is a son of Satan, a son of the devil, in Proverbs 6, 12, and many other places in the Old Testament. He's wicked. Why? Because he has a false mouth. And his actions, in verse 13, show that he has a false mouth. He's being devious and secret, secretive in his actions. In 14, he has a perverse heart because it's devising evil continually and spreading strife. In verse 15, there is a sure judgment. It shows that God hates, he despises, he loathes such a one. 15 says, his calamity will come suddenly, instantly he will be broken and there will be no healing. That is, a time comes when God will completely destroy and crush Such false speakers. God will crush and destroy them because he hates them. He abominates them. And so should we. If we belong to God as our father, then we should hate and abominate anyone who does these things. 17. Haughty eyes. Proud eyes. Lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. We might say, well, no, only the gruesome gangs of uh, foreign nations or in the city of Chicago or in New York, only New York City, only those kinds of gangs, bloodthirsty gangs. They're the only ones that shed innocent blood. Not us. We don't do that. But shedding innocent blood in the Bible is not only doing it physically, but it's also doing it spiritually spiritually. We cannot be murderers of souls. We should not ever be murderers of souls by spreading lies. 18, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil. It starts within. It shows itself in the mouth and in the actions. 19, a false witness who utters lies and one who spreads strife among Brothers, how is the spreading of strife happening according to verse 19? Not by speaking the truth. The one who speaks the truth is never to be accused of spreading strife, causing conflicts. The one who is a false witness, who's lying about what actually happened, who utters lies. He is the one the Bible condemns as one spreading strife. Chapter 7, verse 5. 7, verse 5. That they may keep you from an adulteress, from the foreigner who flatters with her words. What is it that's going to keep us from the adulteress who flatters, who convinces us that we are the most beautiful person he has ever met? The most handsome and tall and strong, winsome and charming man I've ever met. What's going to prevent us from falling into that snare? Verses 1 to 4. Verse 1 says, my words, my commandments. The commandments of God, which are the truth, will keep us away from the lies of wily women and worthless men. Chapter 8 Chapter 8, verses 6 to 9. 8-6. Listen, for I shall speak noble things, and the opening of my lips will produce right things. For my mouth will utter truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the utterances of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing crooked or perverted in them. They are all straightforward to him who understands, and right to those who find knowledge. Chapter 8, verses 6 to 9. Wisdom, which is embodied or found in the Word of God, in the, the personal experiential sense, it is embodied in Jesus Christ. It is communicated by the Spirit of Truth through His holy prophets and apostles and all saints who are seeking to replicate, repeat, and preach these words. That's where we find noble things, right things, truth, righteousness, nothing crooked or perverted, all straightforward, all right and true knowledge. But the opposite is wickedness, lies. But as God himself, in verse 7, says, wickedness is an abomination to my lips. If God says wickedness is an abomination to my lips, wickedness should be an abomination to our lips too. Whether we speak it and need to repent or whether we hear somebody else speak it and call them to repent. Chapter 8, verses 12 and 13. 8, 12, and 13. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance, and the evil way, and the perverted mouth I hate. God speaks again as wisdom, prudence, knowledge, discretion. Fear of the Lord. The opposite of those virtues are the vices of evil Pride, arrogance, evil way, perverted mouth. God hates all of those. So should we. Chapter 10, 10 verse 6. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 6. Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. The mouth of the wicked hides, conceals violence. Yes, murdering souls and disrupting relationships in this world. Chapter, chapter 10, verse 11. Verse 11. Actually, let's go verse 8 first. Verse 8. The wise of heart will receive commands. But a babbling fool will be thrown down. Verse 10, 10, 10. He who winks the eye causes trouble, and a babbling fool will be thrown down. Verse 11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Our mouth should not be babbling untruths, falsehoods, lies. Our mouths should be controlled, practicing self-control about what comes out and not do anything that is worthy of being thrown down. It's like the armies of the victor throwing the soldiers that captured soldiers of the enemy over a cliff to die a miserable death that's the way the wicked will be thrown down by god chapter 10 verse 18 10:18 18, and 19 10:18 he who conceals hatred has lying lips and he who spreads slander is a fool When there are many words, transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Verse 20, 20, we'll go 20 and 21. The tongue of the righteous is as choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of understanding. First in verse 18, do you know that many people hate us, but they use lying lips to conceal their hatred? They will smile. They will shake the hand. They will kiss you. They will hug you. They will call you brother, friend, father, um, trusted friend. They will call you many things like that. But they're actually lying. They act, actually hate you, but they won't tell you to your face that they hate you. He who spreads slander is a fool. Who is wise? One who doesn't spread slander, who speaks the truth. Verse 19, many words. When many words are spoken, it is inevitable that we are going to sin. And this is not assuming we are speaking many words of the Bible or repeating or preaching many words of the Bible, but many words coming from the carnal man. It's inevitable that the carnal man will transgress by speaking his own mind instead of the mind of God. Verse 20, The tongue of the righteous is as choice silver, but not the heart of the wicked. Choice silver is not impure silver that has lots of dross and impurities in it. Choice silver is pure silver. But the wicked don't have that coming out of their mouth. Verse 21. The lips of the righteous feed many. How so? With the word of God. But the fool's they don't have the word of God on their lips. They have lack of understanding and will die for it. Chapter 10, 31. to 32. Ten, thirty one. The mouth of the righteous flows with wisdom, but the perverted tongue will be cut out. The lips of the righteous bring forth what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is Perverted. What then is the opposite of perversion? It says in verse 31, the mouth of the righteous flows with wisdom. Where do we get the wisdom? From the Bible. We are flowing with words of the Bible, but the perverted tongue does not. In fact, whatever the perverted tongue is perverting will one day, it will be cut out. How is it that one can stop speaking in this analogy if we take the scissors or a knife or a hatchet to the tongue of a man and remove the tongue from him? Who will do this? Of course, not we. We don't do it physically, but God will do it. When God does it, it will be very painful and permanent because they perverted the truth with their mouth, their tongue. Verse 32, the lips of the righteous bring forth what is acceptable. What is acceptable? What's acceptable? Not acceptable as man deems it. Not acceptable as man estimates what is acceptable. Well, if you would just say it in a different way, if you would just not say the word hate, if you would just not say the word crooked, if you would just not say the word fool or stupid, then it would be acceptable to me. And then I would listen to it. That's how people respond. That's not what the Bible's talking about. Acceptability in the Bible is saying the truth. Acceptable in the sight of God, not in the sight of sinful man. What is acceptable in the sight of God. That is what we should be preaching. Chapter 11, verse 1. 11, verse 1. We will come across a few of these a false balance is an abomination to the lord but a just weight is his delight a false balance a just weight we may might say here that well it doesn't say anything about the words or the mouth well actually when the salesman he has a basket of vegetables let's say he has tomatoes and we have the old fashioned scales. He has the weight of a half of a pound on one side or one pound on one side. And then he puts the amount of vegetables that the customer wants, the amount of tomatoes he wants, on the other side. And then when the customer says, okay, one pound of tomatoes, sir, he says, yes, yes, uh, right away. So he puts his pound weight on the one side of the scale, the two scales. And then on the other side, he puts the tomatoes, And then he tells the customer, one pound, five dollars please. And then, so he's speaking falsehood based on what he's weighing. However, what if the weights he's using have been corrupted? What if he has devised, and people have done this, devised a way to corrupt the actual weight? They have ways of doing it and deceiving the customer. And then when he shows the customers, you see the scale says it's one pound. Okay, five dollars, please. Or ten dollars, please. The customer is hearing a lie from a false balance. Chapter 11, verse 9. 11, 9. With his mouth, the godless man destroys his neighbor. But through knowledge, the righteous will be delivered. When we are destroying our neighbor, the Bible calls us godless. When we destroy our neighbor with our mouth, we are godless. So the godly man can never destroy his neighbor the way the Bible says destroy your neighbor. Speaking the truth is not destroying your neighbor. Speaking the truth is helping your neighbor. So the godless man will destroy with his words. Verse 11. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is torn down. The wicked will destroy their own city by the use of their mouth. They destroy their own city. Chapter 12. Chapter 12 And verses 5 and 6. 12, verse 5. The thoughts of the righteous are just, but the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. And also verse 6. The words of the wicked lie in wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright will deliver them. Verse 5. What do the wicked do? Their counsel, their advice, their words are deceitful. But not the righteous. Their words are just or righteous. Verse 6 The wicked are actually lying in wait for blood. For this proverb to be true, he is likely not talking about the small percentage, though dangerous enough, the small percentage of men who actually commit murder. He's talking about lying in wait for blood, spiritually speaking, doing things that harm and destroy other people. The words of the wicked are purposely like an animal of prey, like a beast of prey in the wild, in the wilderness, waiting to pounce on the weaker animal. That's the way these wicked are. Their words are that way. They are lying in wait for blood. They are ambushers. Ambushers. Chapter 12, verse 14. 12, 14. A man, excuse me, 13 and 14. First thirteen, 13, 12, 13. An evil man is ensnared... By the transgression of his lips, but the righteous will escape from trouble. A man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his words, and the deeds of a man's hands will return to him. An evil man is ensnared by the transgression of his lips. How are evil men ensnared? Because it says the righteous will escape from trouble. When the evil man speaks, he speaks transgressions. That ensnares him. He's put and kept in a trap that awaits the death of the trapper until the day of judgment. But the righteous will escape from trouble. When that day of judgment comes, because we practice righteousness, we speak the truth with our lips we are not ensnared, and the trouble that awaits the wicked on the day of judgment will not overcome us in a trap or a snare. Verse 14, a man will be satisfied with the good by the with good by the fruit of his words also on the day of judgment. The fruit of our words will turn out for our good on the day of judgment. And the deeds of a man's hands will return to him. If we sow to the Spirit, we shall reap from the Spirit. If we sow to the flesh, we shall reap from the flesh. It will return to us. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. Galatians 6, 7, and 8, chapter 12 and verse verses 17, and we'll read 17 to 23, 17 to 23, 12-17. He who speaks truth tells what is right, but a false witness... Deceit. There is one who speaks rashly, like the thrusts of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips will be established forever, but a lying tongue is only for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but counselors of peace have joy. No no harm befalls the righteous, but the wicked are filled with trouble." Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal faithfully are his delight. A prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims folly. We may also read verse 25. Verse twenty-five: Anxiety in the heart of a man weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. 12.17 When we hear something that's not right, uh, excuse me, if we hear something that is right, then the person is speaking the truth, according to verse 17. He who speaks truth tells what is right. If we hear something wrong, then what? He's a false witness, according to verse 17. According to verse 18, When one is speaking rashly, we may uh, compare it to the thrusts of a sword. A a sword, consider it a two-edged sword, a double-edged sword, that's being wielded like this carelessly back and forth, back and forth, and destroying and cutting and killing everything in its path. That's the way rash speech is. Verse Nineteen, truthful lips will be established forever, but a lying tongue is only for a moment. Forever and a moment. There, more evidence that he's speaking of the final consequences of being truth-tellers and liars. If we are truth-tellers, we will be established forever. If we are liars, we only benefit temporarily in this life. Verse 20, deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil but counselors of peace have joy. When someone is speaking and he's devising evil, and he is devising mischief, he's devising confusion and chaos, and we accuse him of being deceitful, and he lashes back and says, no, you don't know my heart. Well, this one says, we do know his heart. Verse 20 says, deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil. We do know his heart his evil intentions. Verse 21 also, no harm and trouble. The righteous have no harm, but the wicked are filled with trouble. When exactly will that happen? On the day of judgment. Verse 22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. If lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, are they also an abomination to us? Or do we make excuses for them? Verse 23, a prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims folly. The proclamation of folly comes from the fool's wicked heart. And then 25, anxiety in the heart of a a man weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. How are we going to help another remove anxiety, remove fear, if we have the good word of the word of God to proclaim to him. Not lies, not deceit. It would only be momentary comfort to one with anxiety if we tell him lies. As the song says, Tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies. That is false. It only is momentary. It won't help the person with the anxiety. We have to tell the truth to help the one with the anxiety. The Bible expects us to have this perspective. May we have burning indignation because of the wicked who forsake your law. Psalm 119.53 May we always desire to speak the truth. Speaking the truth is love according to 1 Corinthians 13:6 we speak the truth because it is love and we also speak the truth in love Ephesians 4:15 he who has ears to hear let him hear what the spirit says amen